It is Saturday, August 13th of 2022, and this is Devin Song Reviews. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, let me introduce myself. I am Devin, and I'm an independent musician. I've been a musician for 21 years. Over that time, I have learned a lot about the industry, really getting into home recording a few years ago, and just really dived into learning as much as I possibly could about it. And I've learned a lot of the basic principles the hard way by just trial and error. What I try to do with these song reviews is I try to give you things that I've learned over time that you can start to apply that to your music. And it's just going to make you better doing all the things that independent musicians have to do. If you got a cold one that you can crack open with us, please do that. We're going to get started with a little catch. If you're a musician, you can submit your music through the uh, submission form in the link tree in my bio. If you're not a musician, this is a great place to hang out and you're going to hear new music before all of your friends do. This is the crossover episode with the Elder Emo Hours who are here. So if you don't know who the Elder Emo Hours are, stick around and you will see. Let's get things kicked off with Tim Berrien, who is here with us that submitted his song called Troubles. We are going to take a listen to it and I'll give you some thoughts. Say let's go out tonight. It's been a while since we had something like this. Say let's try another time. The boss has got you working long, alright. Another night alone, that's fine. Oh, my friends have got the troubles. They've got troubles, could it be? But the more I hear about trouble, the more I struggle to believe. Yes, my friends have got the troubles, and I've just begun to see All their troubles might be trouble troubling me I've got a six-pack and some barbecue They say I wish I could be there This is pretty smooth so far The kids need help with school My friends got troubles everywhere Oh, my friends have got the troubles. They've got troubles, could it be? But the more it's kind of interesting to hear something like this without any uh, percussion. Yes, my friends uh, this really has that feeling of like, I've just begun I don't know, just uh, their troubles walking down the street and, and hearing a live band coming through. That fiddle so hard to wonder what's gone wrong with me as my friendships start to rust. Am I crazy or could it just be? Next time's the only time. Tim, I'm looking at your profile picture. Oh, I'm assuming that's you. You don't, you don't look like you're, this is music that you wrote. I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's confusing to me. Yes, my friends have got the troubles, and I've just begun to see all their troubles might be trouble troubling me. All right, that was 
awesome. That is Tim Berrien with Troubles. And he's over there on SoundCloud right now because he's too stubborn to uh, sign up for something like DistroKid and uh, start getting his music out for the world to hear. Wow, that was really cool. I did not expect that. It's labeled as country. That's more of like, to me, I guess, the bluegrass style of, of country, like that side of it. Very cool fiddle work and great use of harmonies in the vocals. And I see that you said that you hired a bunch of session musicians for this, but that you were the one that wrote the lyrics and, and the music and everything. The lyrics felt really, really good too. I like the use of alliteration and the different couplets that you use, things like that. So you did a great job with the songwriting. I guess when I saw country, I think of overproduced country music. That is the popular norm now. So it's very refreshing to hear something a little bit different and a little bit more down home. Definitely had a great feel to it. All of it was really good. Uh, I like the lyrics. I like the instrumentation. The mix sounded really good too. I think the main vocal may have been a little too far out in the front when the harmonies came in. It was a good bit of vocals uh, being thrown my way. It wasn't a really a big deal. That's just the really the only thing as far as the mix goes that I could hear could use a little bit of uh, change up. Awesome song. Really glad we got a chance to hear that. Tim Berrien with a song called Troubles. So if you like that song, go check out Tim Wright's music, who is here in the chat. Give him a follow. Joe, uh, is it so Joe Bakia? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce your name, Joe. Uh, Joe Bakia said, you have a great voice, Tim. Oscar said, love it. Joe also said, I love this vibe. Sinclair was asking, do you do any more genres or if it's specifically country? And Tim said he is multi-genre. Joe also said, beautiful playing. So Joe, you are, I like, I like when you comment all that much. Scott Shaw Music said, nice to hear a decent fiddler go. That's really high praise from that guy. Sinclair says, definitely want to hear more of your work. Well done. Oscar said, bravo. Tacky said, uh, great song. Let's move on to the next one up is going to be Day Aches is the name of the band. And the song is called New June. Let's check it out. So high energy right at the intro. Um, I'm, I'm hearing some mixing issues kind of right off the bat. having a hard time hearing the lyrics very well there's a there's a lot of a lot of guitars and stuff up front and the vocals are getting pushed back with some heavier reverb um, it's kind of hard to hear what the what the vocals are
So I think there's a certain guitar that has been brought too far to the front, and I think that's what's throwing off the mix. Day Aches with a song called New June. Songwriting-wise, it's hard for me to really make out what the lyrics were about, but the melody itself was still good. So even though I couldn't hear the vocals very well, I could still feel the melody. It was still good to, to listen to. As far as instrumentation goes, it sounded like whoever recorded the instruments are pretty good at their instrument. I just don't think the recording was done very well. I saw somebody say something about sounds like it was recorded live, which just means that you know if you're miking up an amp or something like that, you tend to have more issues with room noise and things like that if you're not in a professional studio, which most most of us are not. And so it, it definitely sounded like there was a like a lot of room noise was coming through with the recordings themselves. And then as far as the mix, I think that's where the, the bigger issues were. Right from the beginning, it all kind of hit at once. It all came in, you know, super high energy right at the beginning uh, with the intro. It was a lot of noise and it sounded very bottled up. Somewhere along the lines with the mixing and mastering process, things got overcompressed. Some things got lost in, in, the, in the fray of it all. So there was a lot going on. If you don't mix it correctly, it just it sounds like a lot of noise. There was a heavy use of reverb on the vocals, heavier use of reverb on a lot of the tracks is what it sounded like. So when you have a lot of reverb going on, it, it's really easy for things to get muddied up. The guitars seem to be too far out in the front. And I think it was one specifically that was too far out in the front that was throwing off the mix and causing everything else to sound pushed back. I could hear the drums, but I didn't feel the energy of the drums because they were so far behind in the mix. And then the low end itself from the kick drum and the bass guitar, it wasn't there like it, it should be. It sounded very thin but also very muddy at the same time. Definitely just some mixing issues that uh, that you need to work on. The song is probably a whole lot better than than what I just heard. That sounds like a song that if you got with a producer or a mixing engineer, they could really take that song and make it something really awesome. If you're the one doing it yourself, my biggest word of advice was stay encouraged. Keep learning as much as you possibly can. Just take each little thing like I'm talking about now and just try to put it into practice. You know, really try to get a good recording. When you're going to mix things, don't lose your drums and be careful of your rhythm guitars getting pushed too far out in the front. Just needs to, to be polished up mix wise. So I hope that helps you in some way. Luke said, very grungy, dig the vibe. Wish the vocals were more up front. Absolutely agree with everything there. Sinclair said, something isn't quite lining up. A lot of low end in my ears, but I like the style. The tracks themselves were actually lacking some of the low end, but I think that reverb was carrying a lot of low end. So I think it was actually lacking some low end, but I think the low end that we were hearing just wasn't very clean low end. Oscar says it almost sounds like it was recorded live. Definitely grungy. Yep, I covered that. Joe said uh, showgaze meets grunge. Shoegaze. Yeah, I got you. Lloyd Moon, guitar player, was the mixer. If something's sticking out in the mix, it's usually the person who plays that instrument is wanting so badly to hear themselves. And this is a problem for independent musicians that do the recording and producing themselves. It's hard to convince yourself to turn yourself down. Music is an emotional thing. Every step of the process can be emotional. Growing as a producer and engineer is letting go of the emotions and just listening to everything as a whole. Uh, next one up is Bellfire with a song called Two Mimics to Midnight. 
And this is the one that's like seven minutes long, so I think, uh, I think you said skip the intro? So let's skip ahead a little bit. Let's go into it. Let's go in there. Okay, Nintendo goes, uh, Nintendo goes punk. Or punk goes Nintendo. Wow, this is awesome. So it's just an instrumental, I believe. That, that lead part uh, could have come out front a little bit more. There's a lot of stuff going on, so it's it's probably hard to find some place in the in the mix for everything. Keep it going. I'm in. I'm loving it. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop it there. That is Bellfire with two mimics to Midnight. Wow. Uh, very, very interesting. Very unique. I, I don't think I've heard a song like this in a long time. But back in the days of the scene when I was coming up, there was a band. They were notorious for being so unique. It had a similar sound to this. We called them Nintendo Core. And so I think that really fits the genre of what I just heard. I'm going to call it Nintendo Core. You can use that. It's yours to use. The way that everything was produced there is really, really interesting to me because it wasn't a bunch of repeating parts like you get in a normal song. Each part was different from the one before it. 
didn't listen to the whole seven minute song, but if that's the case throughout a seven minute song and, and those parts don't necessarily repeat, that takes a lot of work to do something like that. Your guitar playing is absolutely fantastic, but I think everything sounded really good. The biggest problem mix wise, there was a lot of stuff going on. It's really hard to focus on anything. There was times where there was so much going on that it did get a little muddy. It did get a little loud. And, and, you know, when I heard that lead guitar part, I would have liked that to be a little bit louder than it was. But I think it wasn't because of all the other instrumentation that was going on in that moment. And so it did get a little jumbled up. I would have liked to take some of that out or turn some of it down, use automation to bring down some of the parts that are not as important in those sections and highlight the ones that are. I also think there was some droning low end throughout the song and I was trying to figure out exactly where it was coming from, but there was so many different instruments. It was hard to really dial it in. It wasn't a bad low end, but it was very consistent and it didn't really change up. I would have liked to find where that's coming from and try to calm it down, smooth it out a little bit, just to open up and let the song breathe a little bit more than it did. But really fantastic. I think in the days of sync licensing, there's a lot of money to be made here with with music like that for video games, movies, shows. Somebody said anime. There's a lot of use for that type of music. So definitely keep it up. Go check out some sync licensing stuff. I don't know enough about it to give you any advice on it. My advice would be go check out sync licensing and see what you can do with this music that you're making. Uh, but everybody, he is uh, he is here in the chat. The screen name is screen name. Do we call this screen names? I guess they're called handles now. I don't know what you kids call it. Uh, Smitty Sensei is here in the chat. And that was Bellfire with two mimics to midnight. Yes, so Father Fahrenheit said Nintendo Core. You know Nintendo Core. Awesome. Maybe that's not as unique as I thought it was. I remember hearing Nintendo Core for the first time back in the day, and we just thought it, that was a cool name for it. Sinclair says Nintendo goes metal. <laughs> and the Elder Emo Hour said it's like arcade rock. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely. What is that That game? Uh, is it Dynasty Warriors? Is that the name of it, where you're like the warrior that runs around the battlefield and just destroys everybody? It's just you just press the buttons over and over again. They, they play a lot of music like that. It was, a, it was always a fun soundtrack. Sinclair goes on to say, honestly, this is sick. It was sick. Scott Shaw Music said, the dual guitar work is great. The arcade stuff takes me out of the song a bit. Okay, that's, a, that's fair. I think that has to do with what I'm talking about with just taming everything a little bit. I think the arcade stuff was great a great addition to it. But I think you also need to figure out what do you want the focus to be? Do you want more of the arcade sounds to come through or do you want the organic instruments like drums and guitar to come through? It's going to be not simple to mix the two well. So I think what Scott is kind of referring to is for him, for me as well, I prefer organic instruments, um, but I really, really enjoyed that. Being able to mix that together is going to be a skill. And I think there were times where it didn't mix together 100% perfect. So you just got to kind of figure out which one you want to be the highlight. Oscar said, if Zelda and Herman Lee did a collab, sick guitar work. Smitty said, uh, all live instruments. It's a real modded Game Boy. That's cool. Do you have any videos of you using the modded Game Boy to record with? I would love to see that. So if you have that, please get with me later and let me see that. And you also said we based it on Dynasty Warriors. I called it. That's why it's Devin's song reviews. Next one up is Radio La Chusma with a song called Fire Burning. Burning in my soul 
Boy, we jump from genre to genre, don't we? I love I love vibe songs like this. It makes me so happy. Listen to how uh, poppy that snare is. Such a cool feel for this style of music. Yep, let's get it. So another good example, like, let's bring these lead parts, these solo parts up. Y'all, in, in these moments, the lead guitar is supposed to be the lead of the song. Um, don't be afraid to bring that up, especially if there's not, like, lyrics and other things going on. Do I hear a talk box? Or is that just a an effect on the guitar? guessing we're not using like a traditional drum kit. This is more of like a, a percussion setup. So in this case, we're, we're missing some of that, that low end that the uh, kick drum would bring in um, to kind of complement what the bass line is doing. Um, so you just need to find some low end in the rest of the, the uh, percussion. Fire burning in my soul. 
good guitar tone. I need that guitar to come up more. Fire Burning by Radio La Chusma. Wow, what a song. I think everybody was vibing to that. If you're not, you are dead inside. Super fun song. Love the vibe of it. Love reggae music. A lot of energy. A lot of cool stuff going on. I heard a talk box in there. I saw that you said it was a talk box. I haven't heard a talk box since I started doing the song reviews. So that was cool to hear something different thrown in there. I think it got lost a little bit. Like I had to listen really intently to, to hear it. I'm not sure that it served much of a purpose other than being kind of cool. The song was well-written, felt really good. Lyrics felt really good. The instruments sounded really, really good. That would be so much fun to play and jam with, I think. Coming in with that guitar lead, I think it was great tone and really well done. Just needed to come up more and be the focus in the moments that it was there. Don't be afraid to do that. Different styles of music and different genres are going to be a little bit different when it comes to that. But if you have a guitar solo, don't be afraid to bring it up and it really should sit on top of the rest of the instruments. Percussion wise, it was really cool, different sound than the traditional drum kit sound. And so I think we lost some of the low end from what we would have from a kick. So the bass line was awesome, but that was the majority of the low end. If you're going to take a percussion kit, utilize the low end from the rest of the percussion kit. Just bring it up a little bit more than you normally would to make up for the fact that there is no kick to sort of complement the, the bass guitar. Overall, really fantastic. Loved listening to that. It is a vibe that I was enjoying. Oscar, you said, I'm the percussionist in the band. And uh, Sinclair said, uh, Oscar, that was awesome work, brother. And then a couple of hand claps. Joe said, reggae, southern rock, Peter Frampton. Father Fahrenheit says he is going to be listening. He's going to be checking out some more stuff. Oscar, he said, I said it right. Radio La Chusma? Is that what you're talking about? I'm always second guessing. I hate getting people's names wrong. I hate it when it happens to me. I try not to do it to anybody else. Um, Joe, what is happening? You're saying the guitar was totally... Okay, the guitar was totally... Almond Brothers. It just took you about four four tries to get the autocorrect to stop. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So again, that was uh, Radio La Chusma with Fire Burning. And he is here in the chat. Oscar, O-S-K-A-R, Galileo. Next song up is Joe Bachia Jr. with Ocean of Doubt. I like the piano. Sounds really good. I'm not sure what the water sound had to, has to do with anything. Some pretty heavy reverb on the on the piano here. I think it's going to be problematic. some weird compression I don't know if that was 
done on purpose or not, but you can hear sort of a pumping going on. symbol use. That was a very interesting song. Very nice instrumental. I see now the reason you have the water sound is it's an ocean of doubt. So my bad on that. I didn't catch that. I didn't put two and two together like I should have. But that being said, I still don't know how transition wise that really worked together. I'm not really sure how to make that work necessarily. Maybe trying to uh, take like the swell of the the ocean sound and sort of kind of mix that into those cymbal swells that we heard would have been pretty cool, I guess, just to kind of like bring it in with that piano. I don't know. Production stuff that I would probably play with and see how I could make that a little bit more cohesive than it was. It was just like water and then there's piano and then it ended with water. I would challenge you to try to find a way to make that more cohesive rather than just relying on the title of the song being Ocean of Doubt to explain why it's there. But still really cool. Piano was gorgeous. I rarely use the word gorgeous around here. It was very, very heavy reverb. I think that was somewhat problematic. I would dial that back a little too much for my taste. Great production on on the instruments, the way that the cymbal swells were being used and everything was done very sparingly and very intentionally, which, uh, which is a sign of a true musician knowing how not to overdo things, but to use things when they need to be there. And I think that was a great example of that. There was some harshness in some of the high end on some of those really high octave piano notes that you played kind of hit me a little too hard. So be careful with your high end. Try to smooth that out. Don't let it uh, attack that much. But that was great. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to it. So it's hard to go too deep into a critique. But I think instrumentation wise, it sounded really good in the way that the instruments did work together. I think there's some mixed issues that I covered just now about some high end, some reverb stuff. And then production wise, you know, see if you can find a way to make the water sounds more cohesive with the rest of the song itself. It was really nice. It was a it was a fun listen. And uh, I think we all enjoyed it. But the Elder Emo Hour said, this is starting off oddly calming. And it was very calm. Furious is here, said, I like the flow. Father Fahrenheit said, beautiful man. Lloyd Moon said, got to get the side chain on. So talking about side chain compression, if you're using side chain compression, it probably would have kept you from having that pumping motion come through. Father Fahrenheit said, I would definitely dial the piano reverb back a bit. It gets a little bit muddy in the mix of everything. Low end, reverb, and space are probably the three things that I see most common being issues in these songs that I listen to. I hear a lot of people have issues with low end. I hear a lot of people have issues with too heavy reverb and not EQing the reverb to get rid of the low end from the reverb. Those two things definitely muddy things up and then just not being able to space things correctly and pan them in the in a way that they're fitting in the in the listening space the right way. Those three things seem to be the most common for muddying up a song. 
Oscar said, I'm going to need compression socks tomorrow after three shows this weekend. Speaking of compression, I need compression socks. So let's do another one. This is Plastic Punk with a song called Solar System. Really cool intro. Oh yeah, super clean vocals. Wow. I think that synth could go back some and I would bring the hi-hat up a little bit because it's really that feeling of really setting the tempo of the song. Mix sounds pretty clean though. Y'all are cracking me up in the comments. <laughs> I'm trying to focus on the music. Y'all are killing me. that make sense what I was talking about with the hi-hats like it's really carrying the tempo so I, I, I think it should have come up more just so I can feel the tempo because otherwise it's just it's very four on the floor Not my favorite ending for a song like that. That was Plastic Punk with Solar System. Y'all are going to be the death of me. Father Faradite said, POV, it's 2004. I bet <laughs> JC Penny with my mom. <sighs> that was a really good song. I know we're, we're having fun. We're, we're having a good time, but that was a very, very good song. Vocals sounded great. Mixing vocals is is something I still struggle with a lot. And getting it to sit right, you know, I mix my own vocals more than any anything else. And it's hard to mix your own vocals, so mixing vocals is not easy. And those were some of the cleanest vocals that I've heard in a while. So I think you did a great job with that. The song itself was really cool. Had a really awesome vibe. I know we're, uh, we're kind of having some fun with it, but it was a great vibe. Felt really good. Like I mentioned there with the, uh, the hi-hats, I would have brought them up some so I can feel the tempo because the, the beat itself just felt very four on the floor and very basic. So just bringing up the hi-hat would have made me feel like there was more to the tempo of the song and just would have added some interest to the beat itself. There was a synth that I think was too far out in the front that was kind of pushing things back and that 
specific synth carried a lot of low end with it. That took away from the low end from the beat itself as well. So there was one synth somewhere in there that was causing some problems with the mix, but everything else sounded really well mixed, especially the vocals. The overall mix of the song sounded very, very clean. There wasn't a whole lot of low end issues except for that synth. And it wasn't much of an issue. It just, it was something that I would have cleaned up. I like the song. And uh, hope y'all did too. I think everybody was vibing to it. I think everybody enjoyed it. But that was Plastic Punk with Solar System. So go check out some more of that. Dare I read what y'all have put in the comments? So Sinclair said, uh, okay, I'm vibing. It's some church's vibes for sure. Joe comes in with, ooh, dance music. Oscar loves the tambourine. Lloyd Moon loves the vocals. Alex, who is new, haven't seen you around Alex, uh, gave it two fires. So that's better than one fire. For those that are keeping score, Joe says he wants to go do some E at a nightclub in Germany and dance to it. Father Fahrenheit had me rolling with Point of View. It's 2004 and I'm at JCPenney with my mom. But Alex went on to say that it's definitely good. Lloyd Moon with Don't Live for Yesterday. I wake up every day. I make my own mistakes. It's like my mama says, son, don't live for yesterday. Listen to what I say. I made my own mistakes. I got myself to blame for chasing after wealth and pain. So I'm hearing a little bit of that compression pumping. I'm also, it sounds like there's, um, maybe you're using multiple reverbs, like a short and a long tail. There's one of them that sounds a little out of time. I have no regrets, I can't say I change a thing. If I had to go back, I'd retrace every step the same. Every mountain time, every river's wide. Very good use of uh, backup vocals like that. Definitely would have added some more vocals to that, make that like a gang vocal right here. A cool little vibe to it. Would've been cool to drop off drop out the music right there and just let it be like gang vocals all right so that was uh lloyd moon with don't live for yesterday uh short and sweet under two minute song that was cool it was a good vibe felt really laid back but really cool i like the use of harmonies that you had in there but like i said i think it would have been really cool to hear some gang vocals with like the na na na's just would have added more to that i think the last time i did gang vocals on when i did drink about you i did gang vocals on the raise your glasses and try to make it sound like a bunch of people in a bar right like doing a toast i think i ended up with like 16 
vocal tracks and they were all me. So I had to like make them sound different, change my pitch and different places in the room from away from the mic and stuff like that. And it takes a lot of work to get that many tracks to do gang vocals and stuff. But it, I think it would have been really cool in, in what you just did right there. Did sound like a little bit of that compression pumping. I don't know what happened there, but it was, it was basic, not a whole lot to it, but it was really cool. Lloyd Moon with Don't Live for Yesterday with almost 6,000 plays. That's really cool. Sinclair said, oh, gang vocals would be sick on that, where all the instruments drop and they just go on to end. Yeah, I think that would have been cool there at the end. I would look at developing that song into something because you have a lot of room to work with, with being under two minutes long. I think you could add some sections to that and throw in some dynamic sections and sort of keep that thing going. So I don't think it's necessarily done. You could definitely go back and do some more stuff. That's definitely what I do a lot. And probably the next song that I do is going to be a re-record. Um, it actually popped up in my Facebook memories today. I think when I came up with the concept of the song that I did called Summer Break, Facebook said uh, it was like 12 years ago. So it's been a long time. I've recorded it before. I think I've recorded it twice at this point, and it, it takes on a new life every time I go back and do it. That may be time to revisit that song and do something with it. So nothing wrong with rewrites, nothing wrong with revisiting songs that you've done in the past. So I think with a song like Don't Live For Yesterday, there's a lot of potential to go back and revisit that and do some more stuff with it. Typically, we do a musician spotlight. Today, we're doing a little bit different to where we're having uh, Samet from the Elder Emo Hours for the interview. Let me give you a little breakdown before we jump into the uh, the interview with the Elder Emo Hours. If you didn't see, this is Devin Song Reviews number 20. So this is the 20th episode, if you will, of this show that I started about six months ago. Today will actually be the last day for what I'm calling season one of the show. Just for the sake of kind of wrapping this up as a season and doing some some different stuff moving forward, today is going to be the last day of this exact format the way it is now. Part of that is I just want to kind of bring up a couple of stats real quick and kind of give you an idea of how this started and, and how it's gotten to this point. February 22nd, I made a video and put it out on TikTok that said, I'm here, I'm an independent musician, and I'm starting something called Devon Song Reviews. If you want your song to be reviewed, Submit it in the comments and I'll review it. To start off with, there wasn't too many, but it ended up getting to like a thousand of them. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make a video for every single song review that I did, which kind of sparked the idea of doing it in this format. The 26th of February is when I did Devin Song Reviews number one live here on TikTok Live. Since then, we have done some change ups and we've done some different things to make it as enjoyable as possible. I do love the live format because of the interaction that we're having. Reading y'all stuff in the comments is exactly why I do it on TikTok Live instead of, uh, you know, somewhere else where you guys are not hanging out with me. But anyway, so six months has gone by. We continue to bring on a lot of really cool musicians to do some interviews and try to give some advice on how the rest of us independent musicians can learn from what they've done. And so throughout the six months of doing this, there's uh, some people I want to sort of think, and we're just doing a little bit of recap here. Sinclair, obviously my moderator, who's been here almost every week, really awesome dude. And I couldn't do this without Sinclair. It's always a blast when he is here and sort of helping me with chat. 
So actually flew out to Denver and I uh, got to hang out with him for a couple of days, which was really cool to meet somebody in person after just doing interactions here on TikTok. And I think that is a common theme for what social media has opened up for musicians and content creators and all kinds of things. The world is a lot smaller and you're able to make these connections. And it's even better when you can go make those personal connections. Elder Emo Hours, who are coming on here in just a minute, I'll get to that. Since the show originated, here's some of the artists that have been on the show that I want to, you know, just give a thank you to Michael Witt, New Haven, Phil Rhoda, Shuttlecraft, NKWM, Andy Negative, Mason Crow, Costin, Julian Gamez, House Parties, Good Hangs, Friend Circle, 408, and Luke Bodine. So all of these artists have participated and come on the show for an interview. And I, that's one of my favorite parts of doing the show is making those connections with these other artists and, you know, picking their brain on things that we can utilize to become better at this thing called making music. So super thankful for everybody who has done that and all of the musicians that have submitted songs. I have now reviewed 212 songs on this show. Again, I started out with a thousand submissions and knew there was no way I was going to be able to hit that. It took six months to get to 212, but I'm really happy to say that I have given a critique and given a, a legitimate review for 212 songs in six months time. So really appreciate everybody submitting music. Couldn't do this without people submitting music. Couldn't do this without people coming on and doing interviews and it's been a whole lot of fun. Father Fahrenheit is here, uh, has submitted multiple songs. Furious was here. You know, there's a lot of people that have submitted multiple songs that started off by getting some critiques and then actually like applied that to their next song, you know, and, and came back and said, okay, review this one now. So it's been really cool. But on to the Elder Emo Hours. So the Elder Emo Hours started around the same time that I did. Kind of what they do compared to what I do is, is mine is a little bit more technical on the music and what they do is a little bit more just like behind the scenes, getting to know the musicians and bands. We're both kind of in this idea together of community being the new industry when it comes to music. And so we share a lot of the same common goals and values and in, in what we're doing with our platforms, even though we do things a little bit different. Without further ado, Samit, if you will hit that guest request, let's get you on here and let's get going. So I gave you a little hey. intro. Most of my peeps know who you guys are, but there's people that don't. So take a minute and introduce yourself. I'm Samit. I am one of three hosts for the Elder Evo Hours podcast. In tandem to Devin, we started at the same time, just celebrated our six-month anniversary for having our podcast. Beyond popular belief, everybody's like, oh, Elder Emo, you guys only talk emo music. Not the case. We listen to all different arrays of artists. We have all different types of artists on our show. And our mission is to bring attention to the little guys. There's a lot of really good music happening right now in a comeback phase, and we want to be able to highlight that. The three of us are in three different states on the East Coast. You can only do so much that way. So we figured starting a podcast would have us go as far as we can. Taking on something like the podcast and everything that you guys have done, what was the thing that made y'all make that decision? Like, we're going to do this. The podcast is myself, Brittany and Autumn. 15 years ago, Brittany and I were actually in a pop punk band. When the band side of things didn't work out, she and I had started a promotion company to help promote local bands. We were venue promoters, booking agents, tour manager, like all of the different things you can imagine on the backside for smaller artists. We both kind of grew up, went our separate ways and still had a love for that type of stuff. But between college and life and she got married and have kids, I moved states away. It just kind of fell apart. End of last year, I discovered Eras in Action, 
who is a band that's on TikTok right now that is making huge waves. Seeing them from where they were before Uncomfortably Numb came out, which is something that skyrocketed them to where they are now, I wanted everybody to see them, to hear them, to support them as much as I could. That moment rekindled a lot of that old nostalgia for me and how much fun that was. I was going to work and coming home and I needed something to occupy my time and I've always wanted to do a podcast. So I reached out to Brittany and I was like, hey, I know you're a mom, like you've got things going on, we're in two different states, but like, do you want to try this again? So we decided to take a shot on it. And then that's where the, the Elder Emo Hours was born. So what made you decide to come over to TikTok? Did you, were you already on TikTok and y'all started this and then brought the Elder Emo Hours to TikTok or what happened there? I've been on TikTok since like COVID and everything else. Cause I also do special effects makeup. So on my personal page, I was throwing a lot of like the special effects makeup stuff that I was doing, just seeing like the traction and things people are getting and what a lot of people wanted. We decided that, hey, we're going to start with TikTok and Instagram, see what happens, test the waters. And within the first two weeks of us being on TikTok, we broke a thousand followers to have our first ever emo night live on TikTok. And it was a surreal experience for us. The TikTok gods were like putting us somewhere because it worked. I've listened to a lot of the podcasts. I haven't listened to everyone. But I, I know you guys pretty well, so it's weird asking some of these questions. But what interview that you've done were you the most nervous about? There's a sense of nervousness in every interview that we do, just because like we're fans of a lot of the artists we bring on. There's three interviews where I was like uncomfortably nervous. And it was our first ever interview that we did, which was with the guys from Felicity. So nervous, I thought I was going to throw up. The home team, because I'm a huge fan of the home team. So when they actually agreed to come on the show and we're actually coming on the show, I freaked out. And then we just recently, last week, sat down with the guys from Until I Wake, who are getting ready to come up with their debut album on Fearless Records. And I've been following them for a very long time. So I was over the moon and afraid I was going to make an ass of myself <laughs> and luckily did not. But those are probably the three that really freaked me out. There's something about social media and something about TikTok, especially, that just brings down this veil of like, these musicians are just people. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of that's what we pride a lot of our podcast on, too, is like, we obviously want to show the music and introduce you to the music and talk all of that because they are just at the same time. But we're also firm believers that if listeners and fans can see artists outside of their music and as people, somebody is more inclined to follow them, follow their music than if it's just somebody pumping out music and you know nothing about them. So that's what we try to encapsulate in our podcast. So specifically for you, what have you learned about yourself? Not just the podcast altogether, but what have you learned about yourself since you started the podcast? Oh, God. That's like, that's like stuff my therapist asked me. Devin's therapy. That's a new, new name. Devin, this is, that's what this is going to be. Devin's therapy session. Therapy. Well, music is therapy, so it all works invoice. out. <laughs> that's fine. I'll take it. Anything that I've ever done, I've always kind of hindered myself. Or always been like, nah, I can never do that. It's always unattainable. The one thing I learned mostly through this is I'm the one that's hindering myself and my own success. So like a lot of the artists and things we have on the show, like intimidation factor, I would never reach out to them. They're too, they're too big for me and whatever else. So I'd always hinder myself. I don't know, TikTok's kind of given me this like confidence that I never had to like shoot my shot. Worst case scenario, they're going to say no. They're never going to see me. I'm not physically in front of them to physically embarrass myself. I've just gotten a lot more confidence in myself and my abilities to be like, hey, you want to come talk to me for an hour? 
So I feel like that's the biggest thing is I have a newfound confidence I've never had before. That confidence factor is a big thing. And self-sabotage is a thing with a lot of people, especially in the musician world. Everybody's out Mm -hmm. there thinking, oh, my stuff is not good enough. My podcast isn't good enough. I'm not good enough. And in reality, this this stuff is all in your head. Just put yourself out there. And this seems to be a common theme with when I ask these types of questions, everybody will say, put yourself out there. You don't know what'll stick. Throw it out there. Right. What's the worst that can happen? We talk a lot about this, the idea that community is the new Mm -hmm. industry. I think I said it one time and I was like, ooh, that's a hashtag or that's a t-shirt or something. But it's really become like almost like a core value of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So why do you think that community is so important to the music scene? It's so important now because social media has created an outlet for artists to really take back the music and take ownership of their own music without having a label. Those artists that are completely independent artists and they're taking their shots on social media, they need all the help that they can get. And it's something that we can provide to them that's a small outlet. So it's like, hey, if I can take an hour of your time to put you in front of brand new people, let me do that. It doesn't cost you anything but an hour of your time. And I genuinely want to help. We are not labels, but we're trying to do what we can to help promote you and your music. That's where it's super important for all of us to band together to give them one less thing to worry about because they're doing their own tours, their merch, their recording. They're doing all of the things. If we can take a small piece of that pie away from them for even just a little bit, that's a win for them to focus on something else for their fans. We've provided opportunities for artists we've had on our shows just through connections. Like that's a huge thing for them. And the fact that we can do that is a huge jump for music and everything right now because social media is making it easier for an artist to take ownership, take responsibility and produce what they want to produce without somebody telling them how to produce it. I will not say that labels are dead. And I have this argument with people in my comment sections all the time. I don't think labels are dead. I just think you don't need them like you used to. People like us, we can, we're, we're willing to be the middleman to help them take that first step. And then hopefully oh, yeah. they take the next. We have followers for our podcast that follow just our podcast that probably have never heard of 90% of the artists that we've had. Or same thing for you. When you do a live song review, I popped into your lives. I mean, I'm in every single one of them, let's be real. But there's been artists that I've never even heard of until coming in here to be like, hey, I want them on my show or vice versa. There's been so many conversations after interviews where I'm like, do you know Devin? Have you talked to Devin? And they're like, I don't know who Devin is. I'm like, you need to go talk to Devin. So it's the fact that we're taking these artists that we find, we're taking those and putting it in front of our audiences that's helping to grow that fan base. Prime example, the guys of Maybe Someday. They were like the seventh interview that we ever did. Incredible guys. The fact that they were still newer, not getting all the attention they deserve, blew my mind. We take them at any chance we can get and pop them on everything. Because we're like, hey, you need to see them. Their cover of If I Die Young that just came out, freaking banger. These people are producing things that need to be heard. And yes, they can do that, that like pushing and they can push it out and do everything else. But if we can take that and be like, you need to listen to it. There was at least six different people that I introduced that song to that became fans from them. Mm -hmm. Just from me being like, you need to listen to this or paying it on an emo night. And the fact that we have that power and we can do that, granted six people is not a whole lot, but if we can do like six people every time a single comes out, those numbers add up. You said something wrong there. You said those people add up. In reality, those people multiply. You know, so I I said this about Friend Circle. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I introduced you to Friend Circle. I can't remember that was so long ago, but I found them on my For You page because a show had been canceled and they made a video just randomly in their van, just like, oh, this sucks. Our show got canceled. 
and I saw it and I was like, I'm going to go check them out because I want to support people who are having a tough time. And I was like, oh, dang, these are these people are awesome. Fast forward. And now I've tried to show them to everybody I possibly can. They've been on the show. They've been on the, on your show. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm one person. But that one listener, that one new fan multiplied mm-hmm. to I don't know how many more. You can't treat it like people are, you're just adding fans. Those fans multiply. They interact with you on every level. I think we've, we've kind of fed off of each other with the different questions that we come up with. But one of the ones I like to ask that is the hardest one for them is always, if you were going to go on tour with one band, what would that band be? And oh, it's like the hardest question I've ever thrown out there. I'm going to switch that around to you. And I'm going to say, out of all the interviews that you've done, what's the one that you can say has been your favorite? It's like asking me who my favorite child is. Exactly. Um, so I've... Got him. The one that we talk about all of the time and consistently go back to because we laughed through the entire thing was the interview that we did with the guys from Dark Divine. In the best way, so chaotic, so much fun. And they are such they're some of the coolest guys that we've ever hung out with. That's definitely in my top five. I would say that's in my top five. That's one of my favorite ones. Top one. Well, I'm going to give you a generic answer. However, (laughs) um, I will sit here and wait. If you're going to force me to pick one right now at this moment, my favorite interview was Dark Divine. Good to know. For those of you that don't know, I've I've been interviewed on the show and she did not pick me. So I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. (laughs) I knew that was coming. I set you up for that. and you. I I, I know you did. Why do you think I didn't say you? There was a a method to my madness. (laughs) There's always a method to it. What is next for the Elder Emo Hours? We are releasing a second podcast that is going to be a similar structure to the Elder Emo Hours, but it's going to be with artists and a much more spooky vibe. Um, we haven't announced that yet. Spooky, but I did say spooky. Okay. Um, an Elder Emo Hours tour that's getting ready to happen. When we say tour, it's not that we're sponsoring a tour. That's on like our two to three year plan, ultimately for the elder emo hours. But we are physically picking up the three of us and going to these areas where a lot of our artists are to be able to hang out with them and bring them to you guys. Because not everybody can get to a show, not everybody can see them. There is a rumor of our first ever debut live show happening. Maybe the beginning of next year. It's like you're asking me. I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to like not give out so much information because it's not fully solidified yet. Which is my ultimate goal is to get you to say things that you're not supposed to say. I know I'm just dropping hints and you can take with it what you will. Plus, we have a bunch of interviews and stuff that are still happening. I know you are going to be in Orlando in October, I believe. So is that the mm-hmm. first of what you're trying to do? That's the first Elder Emo Hours That's tour. the trial run? That's the trial run. We're going to see how it works. We're also trialing out us showing up to shows that artists are having without telling them that we mm. are showing up to their shows. We've got a couple that are getting ready to happen yet, but I don't want to give out too much info because they might see this and then know, and that ruins a surprise. Red alert bands out there. You never know when the Elder Emo <laughs> Hours are just going to hop on. You never know show. where you know. You'll never know when you're going to see us. Be prepared. You might see us. You might not. (laughs) If there is a band watching or listening that wants to be on your show, what do they do? How do they get on it? 
in our link tree in our bio, there is a submission form that you can submit on. You can email me directly at Samit, S-A-M-M-I-T, at theelderemailhours.com. Or you can shoot us a message on Instagram. Connect with us in any way, shape, or form. TikTok makes it really hard for somebody who we don't usually follow to try and communicate with us. So we always tell everybody to either shoot us an email, Instagram, comment on something, try to get on our radar. We've also got submissions in our link for in our link tree for emo nights. So if artists have music that they want to have on their emo nights or even in our streaming stuff, piggybacking off the other question, we also do what we call as an emo rewind where every other Thursday we go live on YouTube to do live song reviews, talk about artists, people we've had on our show and do that promotion piece too and have an open conversation with our listeners and fans too. Link tree in our bio or literally slide into our DMs. Let's say you're not a you're not a band, you're not a musician, or maybe you are. I don't, it doesn't matter. And you still enjoy the elder emo hours, and you still enjoy what you guys are doing because you're like us, and you're thirty somethings that are legitimately elder emos. How do those people just support the elder emo hours? Find us on TikTok, follow us on TikTok, on Instagram, follow us on all the social media platforms, share us with your friends, listen to our bands. And if you've ever discovered one of the bands we've had on our show, if you discover them for the first time there and then go listen to them, slide into their DMs and let them know the Elder Emo Hour sent you. That's happened a couple of times and it's been kind of cool just to kind of see, to see like the reach and stuff that we're having. We have a Patreon that we started as well, but that's not very active because we're still trying like in the up and running side of that. If we're looking financial support, we're not asking for it. We're not in this for the money or anything, but that question's been asked a lot of how they can financially support what we do. And we also have a donation link in our link tree if you guys ever want to donate to any of the Elder Emo Hours tours. But again, this is not, we don't do this for money. We don't do this for anything. We do this because we genuinely enjoy it and we want to make a difference. So when us saying like, hey, these are financial ways to do that, it's not saying, hey, you have to pay us money to do whatever. Like, no, that's just, there are options there if you want to. We're not expecting it. We don't ask for it. The biggest thing we want is for people to follow us, to grow our following for our artists, to let our artists know that you discovered them through us, just commenting on something, sharing our videos, anything like that. That's more than we could ever ask for. There's a lot of stuff that you and I both do that, you know, if we had some financial backing, it just means that we can take this to the next level and we can make more of an impact on the music scene. And that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's not us making money. This is a a passion hobby that can make an impact on, on the music scene as a whole. I've got one more question for you. And I wanted to do this in true The Elder Emo Hours fashion. For those listening that have not ever caught one of your podcasts, there's some weird questions that come up and it's, it's become sort of a staple of what you guys do. And it's, it's, you know, that's, what's fun about it. I had to think of one for you that maybe you've never heard of. I wanted to take on the elder emo hours persona for a second and, and hit you with this so you can see what it's like. So here's my question. If you, so you always say that if you, if you were given a box of everything you've ever lost what would be the first thing that you would look for in that box oh i don't know if my sanity counts <laughs> no <laughs> that, um, you'll never find that there's no box that can. i'll never that. find that if i found that the podcast wouldn't be nearly as fun as it is as terrible as this is going to sound it would be my my band's first ever demo cd like I have one of the demo CDs that has the cover that we did on it, but there's another one where we recorded some other things that I would really love to find. I can't seem to find that. So I would love to find that. So wait, this is the CD that has the Weezer cover on it? The one song that you I have? 
I have the I have the Weezer one. Okay, but there so are you actually ones. have that in your possession? I do. Okay, I'm gonna need that. <laughs> no, yes. there's been many of bands Look. that were like, "You blind react ours." We like at this point, there should be like. 50 blind react videos <laughs> to our demo of Beverly Hills. <laughs> That's a great example of like how music is so important and how finite it, it really is. Cause the first thing I thought of when I heard that question, I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old. I took my Jeep to a car wash. Remember the CD visors that were supposed to hold 10, but they held 50. But I put that CD visor on the top of my Jeep while I was like vacuuming out and I drove off without it. And I got home and I realized every bit of music that I had to my name was in that CD visor. Music is is one of those things that's so important to our lives that literally out of every material item you've ever lost, the first thing you would think of is where is that CD? Music is the anti-drug. Like I thoroughly believe that because music has helped me so much over the years. And it's one of those things that even... Like back in the day when we, when I was in a band with Britney and we were making the music and doing all of that, like music was super important. But after that chapter finished, music was still super important. It's never changed for any of us. It's just now we look at it differently and we appreciate it more because like your band demo, my band demo unlocks those core memories we forgot we had. They were menace of simpler times. Can we also note in your chat right now that Sinclair I see it. popped up? <laughs> about uh, one of the iconic questions that we always ask in our interview. So uh, my question is, is whether or not Sinclair is asking both of us this. He wants me to ask you, because I don't think we've ever heard me. your answer. If you... Depends on what phase of life I'm in. <laughs> if you had MySpace today, what song would be on your profile? Um, probably Distance by Boys of Fall. Nice. No, Montana, I do see you down there and I do love you and adore <laughs> you, but it's definitely going to be Boys of Fall. You know what? Distance, but you Boys know of what? Fall. Um, she also just threw me one because my newest release is called Distance. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, uh, did I psych you out? <laughs> yeah, you psyched me out. That is my new goal in life is for somebody to answer that question with part-time poet. Like that is my goal in life is to get one of these bands that come on your show and you ask that question and they say part-time poet. That's all I want in life now. It's not unattainable. If y'all want me to quit music, that's how you get it done because that'll be that. That's all I need. I need somebody to say uh, that. Montana, I, Montana, <laughs> next interview. The EP that I've released from 2006, it's on my, it's on mm -hmm. Spotify. It's on all the things. It is what it is. It's part of my music journey. So it's out mm -hmm. there for the world to have. The first song on that EP was a song called Take My Hand, Fallen Angel. It's, I mean, it's okay. Songwriting has developed over the years. It, it was a long time ago. I remember going into a Taco Bell with some friends and this guy came up to me and he said, Hey man, I know you don't know me, but your song, Take My Hand Fallen Angel is like mine and my girlfriend's song. And he had it as his MySpace song. That's the kind of thing that fuels musicians. Y'all just don't even know. Mm -hmm. If you would give up your MySpace profile song for a band, like mm -hmm. how big that is. It's incredible. But like on that same token, with you being the musician and having that piece of it, but also being this creator and such a valid and important piece of the community and everything right now, we get some of the similar things, not like as musicians, because we're not musicians anymore. People come up to us just about our podcast and they're like freaking out about trying to approach us or like super excited. But we're just 
we're just a podcast. We're not that hard to talk to or approach. And it's like, it's the best compliment and it's the most surreal feeling, but it's also a validating thing at the Mm -hmm. same time. Because then it shows what you're doing is making an impact. This also circles back into conversations a lot of artists have. Don't worry about the numbers. You can sit there and dwell on numbers. It's going to kill you and it's going to frustrate you. But those moments are worth more than what your follower count is. The TikTok algorithm is not here for your followers. Mm. It is designed to get you to show up to people who don't know you. Five or 10% of your followers, your videos will be pushed out to them. It won't be the same five Mm -hmm. to 10%, but that is the only reason follower count really even makes a difference is that small percentage of them pushing it out to them. But This whole algorithm on TikTok is designed to get you in front of new people. But it's at the same time, everybody's experiencing the same growing pains. I'll end it on this because I know we're trying to wrap it up. And I, it's something that stuck with me through one of my interviews for any artist out there or even for any creators or anything like that. You were not meant to be small. You were meant to do great things, to do big things. And the only person that's going to stop you from doing that is not the numbers, is yourself. Don't dwell on things that you cannot change because when you start doing things for other people, you lose the value and everything of what you're doing. So just remember, you were not meant to be small and you are only going to be as small as you let yourself. I give everybody a chance to do like a closing statement. Um, I feel like that was it. That was mine. (laughs) That was it. You were not meant to be small. You were meant to do great things. Do not tell yourself the opposite. I think this crossover episode was bound to happen eventually. And I couldn't Mm -hmm. think of a better way to wrap up the first season of Devin Song Reviews than to have a crossover episode with the Elder Emo Hours. All right. We'll get out of here. I will will (laughs) catch you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess. uh, Yeah. Thanks for being here and all that stuff. (laughs) Okay. It's been great. Have fun. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Joe, uh, is it, so Joe Bakia? I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce your name, Joe. Joe Bakia said, you have a great voice, Tim. Joe also said, I love this vibe. Joe also said, beautiful playing. So Joe, you are, I like, I like when you comment all that much. Baki, Bachi, Bachia. That's going to be tough for me. (laughs) Bachia, Joe Bachia. Hey, Joe. Tell me again how to pronounce your last name because you're up next and I want to get it right. Bachia. Okay, next song up is Bo... Just, woo, Joe. <laughs> Reset. Next song up is... <laughs> Y'all, this is getting out of hand early. I'm so... Like, I'm in my head about getting this right. Joe Bachia. <laughs> <laughs>